0: cortisol and melatonin have an opposite relationship. Anytime cortisol goes up, you know melatonin is in the tank.
1: Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You are about to hear from Dr. Farrah Sultan, who will share how we can optimize our sleep, balance our hormones, and better manage stress. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Farrah Sultan, who's a medical doctor, double board certified in family medicine and functional and regenerative medicine. She has trained and worked in three continents, in India, the UK, and the US. She's a medical director and CEO of Vitalogy Wellness and MedSpa, and is the founder of the Mandela Method. She's an international award-winning speaker and expert in sleep and hormone balance, and has helped thousands of women regain their sleep, energy, and youthfulness without the use of addictive prescription medications. She lives with her husband of 23 years and three children in Birmingham, Alabama, and loves to travel, read, garden, cook, and is into biohacking. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sultan.
0: Thank you, Stephanie. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, tell us your story. So how did you become so passionate about optimizing sleep and managing stress and then go on to really speak about that?
0: Yeah. So I think most of us have gone through our own stories and then we are able to help others to recoup restorative sleep. So when I was going through my residency, it was a very stressful time. I was up all night and then had to work all day the next day to the point that one day I was actually pregnant with my first child and driving home and I fell asleep on the wheel. And someone just honked at me when I just woke up before hitting the side of the highway. And so that was such a wake up call for me. And um, it was really a matter of prioritizing my sleep because it was crazy the hours that we work in our training and residency as doctors, and we don't do enough of self care to take care of the others that we're helping. And then I had another health crisis straight after my delivery of my first baby where I had an emergency C-section. And uh, that was some really fearful moments for me because everything was crashing, my heart rate, my blood pressure, my oxygen saturation. And so was my babies. And we were rushed to the emergency C-section, ended up in the neonatal ICU. And then after several days, we made it back home. And then I found that my body was just not right. It was not functioning normally. I had upset tummy. I had weight gain. I had fatigue and insomnia. Fast forward, I found out I had Hashimoto's. I had IBS. I had underlying gut infections, food sensitivities. And despite numerous attempts with all my medical training, I couldn't find the answers and the help I needed until I had to figure it out, get extra training, which I'm sure you've been through something similar. And that's when I decided that this was going to be my life's purpose and passion is to help others restore and recover their health, their sleep, their hormones, to make them live a fulfilled life. And if I could do it, so could others.
1: This is funny, on, on this show, the last question I asked that I, I prepped you for <laughs> um, is to always ask my guests their cop longevity tip. And typically, I would say the most common answer is sleep to really optimize sleep. It's just very important. And it's the most common answer. And it's okay if that's your answer too. But, <laughs> but why do you think that is? So why is sleep such a game changer when it comes to longevity? So if you imagine sleep is one third of our lives are spent sleeping.
0: And it is where all the restorative functions happen. And that is really the game changer when it comes to longevity, but also not just living longer, but improving the quality of life. So whether it comes to your metabolism and weight loss, whether it comes to brain and cognitive function or or building lean muscle mass. So you're strong and lean throughout life and even in old age. As well as prevention of heart disease, strokes, cancers, dementia. So, sleep is really your hidden superpower. And if you are not sleeping, you are really missing out. So, imagine if there was this super wonder drug that uh, was able to turn back the clock for you, really, and it's absolutely free. It is sleep because sleep can help you. To do all these restorative functions, it is really like cleaning your system out and giving yourself a reboot, whether you're stressed out, whether you're exposed to toxins. If you're not sleeping, you really are losing out. It's almost like being a smoker or a diabetic to begin with.
1: What should we shoot for? For those of us who track our sleep, like I'm wearing an aura ring, a lot of my guests have, and you too, probably as a biohacker, as your bio alluded to. Um, What should we shoot for in regards to deep sleep and REM sleep? And can you speak to some of that? Sure. So one of the things is there isn't a magic number. And yes,
0: it varies. But anywhere between six to eight hours is great. If you're sleeping less than six hours, you probably are not uh, performing at your 100%. And maybe in your 20s, you were able to get by with just four hours of sleep. But as we get older, even in our late 30s, it's just a matter of prioritizing sleep. And also studies have shown that sleeping excessively greater than 9 to 10 hours a day on a long-term basis is also counterbeneficial and can increase mortality rates. And that's why uh, to know what your sweet spot is, Yes, these devices are the thing of the future where we will even just like we have Alexa, we will have thermostats tell us when our body temperature and our room temperature can be synced so we can sync it with our sleep time and fall asleep easily and even sync our darkness in our rooms with the curtains and blinds and things like that. So we will have technology we can be as you know good and bad and devices have really played havoc with our sleep but they can also be used to our advantage to help us sleep better
1: i'm to go back though i want to go back i want your opinion on the deep in the rim because honestly i can speak to this i've had you know nights where i sleep eight hours but i get really it's crappy sleep or maybe i only get seven but i get really good sleep so Yes, we can say six to eight, but I feel like there's more to that. We got to dig deeper. So what's your opinion on the deep in the REM hours we should be looking for? As you know, we go through these cycles
0: of 90 minutes where you go through the deeper and the lighter sleep stages, which can be anywhere from four to six such cycles in a night. And so um, what the studies show is that both the REM sleep, where we actually dream, is really key, especially when it comes to relieving stress, being creative, retaining our memories and learning process, as well as really things like trauma and emotions. We can really get a leg up if you're in that REM sleep. And REM sleep occurs usually later in the night And you can have as little as 45 minutes to an hour and still wake up restfully, remember your dreams. And then the non-REM sleep, which is the deeper sleep, but not associated with the REM uh, movements is also key and which occurs in the initial phase of sleep, which is really important for memory to be made. So the superficial brain centers then transfer memory to the deeper cortical areas during that initial phase of non-REM sleep. And so if you sleep, say, 90 minutes and then you're wide awake, that could be working against you. So we And that has to do with your cortisol, your insulin the environment, all these toxins, all of that. So if those are in balance, you can sleep restfully through the night without the use of prescription addictive medications.
1: Sure, sure. I want to go back to dreams in in a moment. I've had past guests that I've kind of asked the same question that I just asked you, like how much deep and REM sleep should we get? And the common answer that I get is combined, we should get upwards of three hours, which for some patients is really hard. I can hit that, not all the time, but but I have patients who come to me and they're getting 15 minutes of deep sleep and 30 minutes of REM and they're showing me and I that's why I like the data because when they say I wake up not feeling fully rested, I can say, well, I know why you literally, even if you're in bed for 10 hours, if you're only getting you know 45 minutes combined deep in REM, that's just not enough. And I think that's where supplements, not medications, but supplements can help and changing the environment and lifestyle and whatnot. But would you agree that maybe three hours of combined deep and REM would be amazing if able to... A minimum, yes. Yep. yep. Let's go back to dreams. You said something about remembering dreams. Do we want to be able to remember our dreams or what's your opinion on that? (laughs) Yeah, maybe not nightmares and nightmares, but yes.
0: So dreaming historically, as you know, are associated with creation and memory so uh, the periodic table was dreamed up the formula for the benzene ring and songs by the Beatles and the doors were literally in the stages of deep rem sleep and dreaming that it occurred especially that time just before waking up early in the morning And so really, if you have something that is unresolved or even some emotions that happen during the day or something that you've been thinking about, dreaming is really that stage because people say, why dream? What is the purpose of dreaming? And so, because literally you could be totally psychotic, right? In your dreams, doing unimaginable things or places and, um, uh, so, and hallucinating and delusional, but, it, and then you're totally back to reality. So why even dream? But the key to dreaming is that it does play this key role in our emotions uh, to really kind of help with things like. Trauma, anxiety, depression, stress, but it also helps us make memories and to be creative. So if we didn't dream, we wouldn't be half as creative as we are. And that's one reason why alcohol can really impair things like deep sleep, as well as memory and creativity, which kind of defeats the purpose.
1: So what about patients who say, I never dream? I never dream. Is it possible that they're just not hitting deep in REM sleep and that's why they're not dreaming? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've had people say they had stopped dreaming
0: and when they were able to restore their sleep, they were able to start dreaming again. And they were so pleasantly surprised. They were like, I haven't dreamed in years and now I'm dreaming again. And so, yes, you should be dreaming and you should be remembering your dreams, ideally. And, um, you know, dreams can be linked, as you can imagine, to the day's events or things that have been Mm -hmm. on your mind. They may be in a different realm Mm -hmm. in the dream, but they kind of make sense and are correlated.
1: I've been told at one point, I haven't thought about dreaming in a while until this interview, but I've been told at one point that dreaming is where you convert some short term memory into long term memory. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's right. And the reason why we may have some really weird dreams, like maybe let's say you found out, um, I'm making this up, your aunt had um, lung cancer the same day your son gave you a sticker of a purple elephant. You may have a dream of your aunt riding a purple elephant. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> totally your body is kind of connecting the dots from the day, trying to convert short to long-term memory, but you may end up with these really weird dreams. Is that inaccurate?
0: <laughs> Not at all. It's It's totally true. And so I've found that exact same scenario happened that have connected some things in a vague, weird manner, but it's so interesting.
1: <laughs> so how is hormone balance connected to sleep? I have my own opinion on this. <laughs> but let me hear, let me hear your answer to that.
0: It is most definitely related to hormonal balance. And so when we think of hormones, usually we think of say sex hormones or female hormones. And yes, they do play a huge role because it's complex. It's not hormones by themselves, but it's this interplay between our brain, our the whole hypothalamic pituitary, adrenal, gonadal axis, but also our insulin and cortisol all interplay along with our gut health. So these two systems are always in crosstalk. And that's why, especially in women uh, who undergo such dramatic changes in their hormones, whether it's in puberty, whether it's their childbearing years, whether it's perimenopause or menopause. So with these changes in the hormonal levels, it can certainly impact sleep especially restful sleep, but also mood, memory, brain fog, all of those things. And so anytime there's a shift in any of these hormones, especially hormones that are so protective of the brain, then it will uh, impact sleep in more ways than one. And so that's why it's important to know that, to measure that, to balance that. And you don't have to take a hormone as a prescription to do that. Although I do help women and men with bioidenticals, but, but there are many things even prior to that that can help. And more importantly, it's not enough to just say measure hormones and give someone hormones, but really the interplay between the immune system, the gut the friendly gut bacteria, as well as the stress and the insulin. So your blood sugar balance, all that plays a role in your ability to sleep through the night and stay asleep and wake up rested and falling asleep as well.
1: Yes, yes. I'm going to reshape kind of how you answered that question. (laughs) Was a good answer. But um, many times I tell patients that having low progesterone you know, may contribute to problems falling asleep and then low estrogen could contribute to problems staying asleep if they're waking up with hot flashes and those vasomotor symptoms, night sweats, whatnot. But as you were kind of mentioning high cortisol or even low glucose, patients low glucose drop in the middle of the night, those reasons or those can be explanations for why patients are waking up in the middle of the night. Um I want to, I want to go multiple directions, but let's stay on the topic of cortisol, high cortisol for a minute here, because stress being in that fight or flight um, mode can really raise cortisol, which can impact our ability to sleep. I guess you tell us, maybe I just answered the question I'm going to ask. You tell me why you think stress is the biggest wrecking ball for our hormones and our sleep. Yes. So.
0: We really don't attribute enough as to how much of a role cortisol can play in terms of our sleep. So as cortisol varies through the day where it normally should be up in the day and down at night, a lot of us, especially with changes in our lifestyle, with devices, with the light and really literally with the flick of a switch, that has interfered not only with our circadian rhythm and our melatonin secretion, so cortisol and melatonin have an opposite relationship and anytime cortisol goes up you know melatonin is in the tank and whereas it should be the other way around and so anytime you have a spike in cortisol in uh, whether it's in the beginning of the night or towards the middle of the night it'll make you wired and you're wide awake so whether you're a night owl or a morning lark you may still experience a real trouble either uh, going to sleep and staying asleep. So cortisol can literally wreak havoc with even the other hormones, even if they're in perfect harmony and balance. If the cortisol isn't where it needs to be, it can totally put everything else in disarray and prevent one from sleeping. But luckily, we can measure it and we can do things about it without, again, having to use drugs.
1: I tell patients cortisol is our biggest hormone hijacker. It'll rob us of that calming progesterone. So getting cortisol in check seems to be the key here. So tell us, how can we do this without hormones? We can get to hormones, but What are some of your uh, favorite lifestyle tips and for keeping cortisol down in an effort to balance our hormones, right? And keep us asleep. What are some top tips there? Again, there are so many things we can do just with meditation, being
0: mindful, deep breathing. Anything we can do to have our parasympathetic system to be the more dominant system rather than the sympathetic system, which is the tired and wired compared to the rest and digest system, will really be a game changer. And for that, you can do so many non-pharmacological and non-supplemental things too. So I do believe in the journaling, the meditation, the deep breathing, just the mindfulness, all those things. And then even during the day, exposure to sunlight our rhythm that is our natural clock is in sync with the sun. So getting out in the sun, making sure the room is dark and cool and noise-free can make such a big difference. And in terms of the cortisol, then yes, the next step would be the supplements. There are many adaptogens that can really have been around for centuries that can make such a big difference in helping with the sleep and balance that cortisol.
1: Can you mention some of those? What are your favorite top adaptogenic herbs? So I love theanine because uh, it
0: has absolutely no side effects and especially for staying asleep. And all it does is calm the brain. It's a green tea extract with no caffeine. So that's one of my favorite. And then ashwagandha, rhodiola, and magnolia extracts are, uh, and phosphatidylserine would be my other favorite ones, along with magnesium itself that can really, really impact the quality of the sleep as well. So not just
1: in terms of falling asleep, but staying asleep. Yep, agreed. I love theanine. It's probably one of my favorite supplements. And the downside is it has a very short half-life. So for many patients, they have to dose it multiple times a day Or if they take some to get to sleep and then they wake up, they may need to take more to get back to sleep, which is fine doesn't interact with anything. It's even safe for pregnant ladies. So that's one of my go-tos. I have pregnant patients too. With insomnia, yes, and children. So huge fan of that. Tell us, I guess let's go to another way to balance our hormones. So we just kind of talked about keeping stress down, lifestyle practices for helping, and supplements that can help manage stress and cortisol. But what are some other tips for balancing our hormones before we get to hormone replacement therapy?
0: So definitely food first and nutrition So avoiding foods that are laden with toxins because they can interfere with our hormones. So xenoestrogens that come from outside the body can have a big role in causing more estrogen dominance and that further suppresses progesterone, which is the one that helps with sleep and brain function in the foods itself, the timing of eating matters too. So if you eat, especially a heavy meal, at least two to three hours prior to sleep, that will then help you sleep better because your insulin, your cortisol, your immune system is not working over time. And if you have hypoglycemia, you're diabetic and have a small snack at bedtime, that may be okay. But yes, intermittent fasting has multiple benefits, including for sleep and for balancing hormones. Other things that one can do is exercise. So exercising itself can help us balance our hormones better. And we can do make sure our gut health is good. So if you don't have a bowel movement that's normal every single day, Again, uh, that can interfere with your hormone balance, especially between estrogen progesterone. And you're recirculating these estrogens that are then causing a ton of problems, including hormonal imbalance, leading to weight gain and irritability, moodiness, and even eventually risk of breast cancer. And then there are natural supplements that can also help. For example, I love Chaseberry and Vitex and even the B vitamins, fish oil, vitamin D, zinc, that can really help us. And the cruciferous vegetables balance our hormones, which in turn can help us balance our sleep better. And then we can always measure our adrenal hormones. I love DHEA pregnenolone, but again, not in everyone and not long-term. So always the right amount, right? The Goldilocks phenomena. Not too much, not too little, just right. And monitoring it. Here is it and go forth and that be it. No, you got to keep an eye on things.
1: So you mentioned food first. So let's go back to food, just to clarify for the audience. So you were saying some foods can contain xenoestrogen. So which foods are you saying not to eat? And then you mentioned some foods to eat, like the cruciferous vegetables, which would be more like, for the listener, just to explain broccoli, cauliflower, rabi, kohlrabi, um, foods that when you cut them, there's a crux or a cross there. So like not spinach, but the cruciferous vegetables, a uh, uh, kale actually does count. So tell us what foods we should not be eating again for our hormones and which foods specifically like name them if you can. So the foods especially when it comes to proteins, make sure
0: they are organic, grass-fed or pasture-raised because when they are being injected these animals with hormones or being fed corn and soy, it's like we're eating those foods and they are interfering with our hormones. When it comes to soy, especially GMO soy, which is abundant even in healthy foods, as soy lecithin, it can interfere with the hormone. So it's not like soy is bad, but the kind of soy that most of us are exposed to. And by also avoiding fish that is farm-raised instead of sustainably. Odd because it can be toxic with mercury and other PCBs. And we want to avoid those kinds of foods that are highly sprayed with pesticides because they go into your liver, into your fatty tissue, and your breast is a fatty tissue. And they can also again occupy the receptors that normally would be occupied by your hormones like estrogens and interfere with hormone balance. And the foods that you want to eat more of. Are herbs, spices, so ginger, garlic, turmeric, I love those, onions, as well as carrots, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, that whole family. And also uh, you have grapeseed extract like resveratrol. So all of these foods actually help you and support your liver, which is your biggest organ for detoxing excessive xenoestrogens from your body naturally. So you're just supporting those pathways
1: by eating these foods. Totally agree. I'm going to, you mentioned meat, but I'm going to throw in dairy also, because you were saying how important it is to eat organic proteins, like there was chicken, right, poultry, but also um, red meat. Well, what comes from Cows is not just red meat, but dairy products. And then those dairy products, you know, those cows are in, not just injected with hormones, they eat the mold laden grains. Then we get the milk from them that's stored in plastic. I mean, there's layers and layers of endocrine disrupting chemicals with dairy consumption. And yes, organic is better. Yes, opt for organic when you can. But, <laughs> but all these little steps can really add up, as you're mentioning, to improving our hormones and our sleep and whatnot. What are your thoughts on EMS and sleep disruption? Yes, so I definitely am a big
0: proponent of setting your cell phone to airplane mode when you sleep, but even those pesky electronics can emit when you have Wi-Fi, now you have 5G. So EMFs or dirty electricity can also play a role in interfering, especially with hormones like cortisol which can then interfere directly with the quality of sleep.
1: Totally agreed. You can easily get a cheap outlet timer to plug into the outlet that your router, right, for your (laughs) Wi-Fi is plugged into. And then you can set it. We've done this before. We'll we'll set it from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. My husband's up really early, so he wants the internet at 5 a.m., but I don't want it going while we're sleeping. So you can get a very cheap outlet timer. Or we even then we upgraded to a system where we can just with the click of a button, cut the juice to whatever rooms and outlets in the house we want to shut off any sort of dirty electricity and yeah, shut off the Wi-Fi. So uh, the growing brains of our kids. <laughs> yes. And that again, with my Oura Ring, I can track my sleep is always better when there's no interference with the EMFs. So tell us, can you kind of tell us your sleep routine, your sleep hygiene, like on a daily basis, some things that you incorporate, maybe it's everything you said, but don't hold back. Tell us what you... What do you do?
0: It really starts in the morning. I do love grounding. Like I feel I've missed out if I'm in a hotel and can go bare feet and stand on the grass outside with the sunshine on my face early in the morning. I do like to start with good hydration, meditation. And yes, I do check my aura ring. <laughs> I do do intermittent fasting. So uh, in the morning, I do love my coffee. So I have it black and I do add some mushrooms and ashwagandha to my coffee. And then in the evening routine, I try to get out in during lunchtime in the sun as well. And then in the evening, as soon as I like to actually, uh, one of my favorite things to do is to watch the sunset with my family. And then my blue glasses, uh, blue block glasses uh, come out and I feel they're a game changer in terms of of helping the melatonin rise and dimming the lights. I am a big fan of turning the intensity of the bright lights down approaching bedtime. And then again at bedtime with dinner, just that sense of leaving work alone because work is always going to be there and spend quality time with my family, with my kids, having uh, dinner together, having a nice conversation. Then I do like to take chamomile tea. I do enjoy that. And that's part of the fasting. So even you have water or herbal teas, it counts with the fasting. I do like to take a warm shower before bedtime. I even do saunas just before the shower uh, with infrared light, which can also help not only release the toxins, but help with better sleep. I do have a chili pad on my bed to lower the temperature. My husband and I will use it at different temperatures. <laughs> so I like mine lower. I like you mentioned, Stephanie, turning out the, a Wi-Fi on my phone and, and trying not to use devices. I prefer reading a actual print book. That's like the best. And then I do take my supplements. And... So magnesium is along with, um, and I do take progesterone, uh, bioidentical, as well as uh, taking uh, the something like the theanine. I love that. And I'll take it in the evening time too, just to kind of get me in the right mood. I've used mouth taping which is something we didn't talk about, your breathing and your breath and how sleep apnea can also really interfere. So I actually have the opposite problem. I clench my teeth, so I do use a retainer at night. So I don't have a problem of snoring and opening my mouth at night, but that can be a game changer to use mouth taping. I do like to also use music or meditation while falling asleep. Even if I'm in a hotel room, that always works. Even if I'm in a different, strange surrounding, it helps me drinking filtered water to take out the toxins. All of that, I would say, are some of the things that I have found to be game changers.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing sharing that, walking us through your day. Why well, ask you a question about the chili pad? As I was looking into those, and you see biohackers using them, and you know suddenly they're showing up on your social media and whatnot. I was concerned, which maybe you know the answer to this, but I was concerned about like the EMFs from the chili pad. Do you know if they're emitting much or what? The, obviously, it has to be plugged into something.
0: Yes. Uh, so the cooler, which is the cooler, is plugged in, but the actual mattress is really just a series of tubes through which water is running, and which is what, where you can control that temperature. So it'll go down in the night and then in the day, it'll in the morning, you don't need an alarm clock to wake you up. It'll just gradually warm up and then it, when it's and you can set it, it wakes up so it's connected to an app. And yes, that was my concern too. And so I don't have the latest version; it hasn't come out yet. But they are specifically addressing that in the new version that's coming out.
1: Happy to hear that. I would have thought, like, all oh, these biohackers would know this. So, like, of course, they have to be looking for like a lower EMF version. But with the chili pad, did you notice, like, knowing that you wear an Oura ring, did that help your sleep
0: really? Because, you know, now the third generation measures your body temperature. And sometimes I would just find that it's saying that my sleep wasn't as great when my body temperature was up. And so that has really helped. So you can objectively track your data in terms of how closely temperature along with heart rate variability, and of course, deep sleep is related to the depth of your sleep and your readiness score. And then of course, your activity. Uh, what I didn't mention was the exercise because exercise helps with better sleep at night, <laughs> but not too close to bedtime. <laughs> right. Or that will
1: raise your cortisol. Yeah. I'm gonna have to get one of those chili pads, but I'll wait for the latest and greatest <laughs> version. Yes. Anything else you want to share about improving sleep, reducing stress, anything that we didn't cover today? So one thing is many people try to make up for a sleep deficit,
0: especially on a weekend. But really, what you want to do is to have a schedule, whether it's the weekend or not. So you want to try to go to bed the same time and get up the same time. And if you can get up without an alarm clock and the snooze button, awesome. Because that's one of the rudest ways that you can wake your body up.
1: You're not saying I, I can't nap. You're just saying don't try to like, oh, I'm only going to get five hours of sleep, but I'll nap three hours tomorrow. You're saying that's not how this works. Three lost hours in the night is not made up by three gained hours. You know, if you sleep during the day, I think is what you're yeah, saying. Or uh, sleeping yeah. in later sure. because you've been partying
0: all night on a Friday night. So you actually still lose your memory. And especially if it's laced with alcohol or nicotine, it'll make it worse. But uh, napping, the thing with that is you want to try to do it before 3 p.m. And if you do a power nap for about 20 minutes only, not more than 40 minutes so that it is not interfering with your sleep.
1: What about one alcohol absolutely impacts sleep? So if you don't have an aura ring, you probably already have realized if you drink alcohol, you may wake up in the middle of the night or wake up earlier than you want. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree and that we can you know, track that with the ring now. But two, so I am the type of napper, not that this happens commonly, that I like to nap until my body wakes up. Because then I feel like I'm in that sleep cycle, like I'll get through whatever cycle I need to and I just let my body wake up. But what if that's more than 40 minutes? What if it's 70 minutes or whatnot? I feel like that's acceptable because I'm letting my body get the rest and then wake up without an alarm or whatnot? How do you feel about that? In the morning,
0: that's fine. But if it was say an afternoon nap, that kind of a break in the day where you're napping, and probably your body would be waking you up before such a long nap, unless you really had a very short time to sleep in the night. And then yes, maybe you were in deficit and you were making up for that. But yeah, and, and you would have seen that with your aura ring that. Yeah, it'll um, say like you it'll. Know, it even the my... time spent in bed matters, not just the duration of the sleep. And that can actually improve your score. So, yes, I agree that is okay that you listen to your body. And if you have to get up a little later because maybe you went to bed a little late, you had something going on, but trying to stick to a schedule does help uh, uh, generally. But uh, the thing about napping, I'm I'm talking more about, say, an afternoon nap than you want to try to do it, say, after lunch, because many cultures do that in Spain with siesta time. And there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe our ancestors did it, too. Maybe there was a lull in the afternoon. Uh, When the sun was up and they were in the shade, but then they were up. It wasn't for hours, right? uh, Of course, just for survival too.
1: (laughs) I am. By the time this podcast airs, I don't, I don't know how old my son will be, but I'll. Right now, he's three, and so he's just getting out of naps, which is very unfortunate. Kind of nice on the weekends when after lunch he wants to take a nap, and that's what I'm saying. Well, I'll lay down too. And he may sleep much longer than I do, but I'm just kind of letting my body wake up. And then it's interesting to see how the Aura Ring picks up that nap and adjusts my sleep score. Usually it improves the sleep score, which is... Just, you know, exciting to have that, that data. But I think the time for naps may be quickly fading. unfortunately.
0: And that's a whole another chapter really in that, uh, you know, young moms with young babies and sleep.
1: Yeah. Yes, we won't go there. Yeah, but they, they need more sleep. It's okay for them. Um, well, thank you for coming on the show today. I do want to wrap up with a few last questions. Tell us where listeners can find you, kind of what your website is. And I know you have a free gift as well.
0: I'm on TikTok and Instagram as at Farah Sultan MD. And my website is uh, biotology, wellness and med spa. And as a free gift, I'm offering a masterclass with stress, sleep, health and hormones.
1: And we'll post that link in the show notes for sure. So last question, you've given us a lot of tips today, but what's your absolute top longevity tip?
0: I would say sunshine and circadian rhythm because that we have lost our circadian rhythm. And I see so many people work the graveyard shift and have some of the worst sleeps and cortisol levels. And so really sticking to your body's natural clock and syncing it with that of the sun can really help.
1: Love it. Love that sunshine. Not many people have said that. Well, thanks again for coming on the show today and sharing with our listeners how and why they should improve their sleep and reduce stress. You, again, provided lots of tips today. All very much welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you for having me. I truly enjoyed hearing all the habits she incorporates on a daily basis to better her health, reduce stress, and improve her sleep. She encouraged me to look back into that chili pad, or at least until I get one, keep the temperature down in my house at night. I've mentioned this on the show before, but again, as a reminder, if you need help creating an EMF-free sleep sanctuary, contact emf-pollution-solutions.com. This can help you locate EMF-producing sources, clean up your dirty electricity in the home, and reduce your energy usage. They can help you install a sleep switch to turn off all electricity, raising your body voltage while in bed, and ultimately reduce your exposure to EMF radiation in your home while you sleep at night with EMF mitigation. This sounds silly, but it's made a world of a difference in the sleep of our household. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.